We all have things that we can be grateful for. Um, when I was in the hospital, I had a choice to make. I could either wallow in my pity and be a downtrodden and depressed about how my life has turned so dramatically, or I could look at all the positive things in my life and be thankful for them. And that's what I chose. I chose the attitude of gratitude. And by doing that, I have not only set myself up for future success, but I have also motivated and inspired others to do the same. Because when we think about it, even in this pandemic, you can look around and you can find things that you like. And when you think about it, things that you like are things that you appreciate and that you are grateful for. It all comes down to choosing to be grateful for all the big things and little things that you have. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I'm live on the line today with Chris D.T. Gordon. Chris, are you there? I am, Richard. How are you today? I am doing super awesome. Glad to have you here. You're coming in from uh, Minnesota. And for those of you who've been following along with um, our travels, we are still stuck for our COVID crisis in Florida. Um, hopefully that won't last too much longer because we've been here since April. But how have you guys been uh, been doing up there in uh, in Minnesota, despite all of our global crisis stuff? You know, we are in a rather rural area of Minnesota, so the pandemic hasn't hit us as badly. So we've actually been able to do a little bit of traveling. Uh, I have family in Michigan, where I'm originally from, and so we went to visit them for a week and a half, and we kept pretty secluded from other people. Uh, when the beaches got too busy, we left. Uh, we went to visit places that uh, had, were, were either outside or had very little, very few people. And we always masked up when, indoor, when we were indoors. So we're just making the most of it. Lots of, yeah, yeah. Lots of like bike rides. We're all doing, right? Exactly. <laughs> Make it, making the most of our pandemic. So I have a couple of things before we get into your introduction that I just wanted to point out because we talked about these a little bit before we got on the show. The first one was you have four names. So Chris D.T. Gordon, and you had a fun reason for that. I wanted you to share that real quick because I thought it was pretty hilarious. Well, thank you all. <laughs> My parents were very forward thinking uh, when they named me and they didn't want me to end up in jail as many assassins have three middle three names and so they gave me the name christopher daniel thomas gordon so i would stay out of jail you know so you wouldn't being, become an assassin particularly yes exactly when you have the last name gordon which is a first name you're kind of setting yourself up so they offset that by giving me two middle names that makes sense and just you know for clarity's sake you haven't become an assassin right so it's worked out well not that you know <laughs> Not that we know of, not that you'd share either way. Yes. Um, and the other thing was you you are our first guest so far on the Hero Show who has showed up in a hero's outfit. What's the outfit that you're wearing here? Yes, I am dressed as One Punch Man, uh, who is famous in the Japanese manga and anime worlds. His real name is Saitama. And what makes him special is that he has the powers of Superman or Superman and the Hulk, closer to the Hulk, unlimited strength. He can't be beaten, but he can't catch a break. He's like, he has, he has Hulk strength and Spider-Man luck. No one knows who he is. Oh. Everyone gets the credit for his victories. 
And even when he tries to do something right, it somehow turns sideways on him. And some of the funniest moments are when he's not upset by an attack from a villain, but by when he's going to miss a good sale at the grocery store. And so it's a brilliant satire if you're into that. Sounds like something I would enjoy quite a bit. We'll see if we can find uh, some links for it and put those in the uh, show notes when we finish this episode, if you're interested in watching it. I know yes. I am. So what I want to do real quick is do an intro to you before we get into your story so our audience knows who you are. So uh, Chris D.T. Gordon is a faithful husband, father of three, online middle school special education teacher, a runner, a taekwondo student, and a pop culture geek, obviously. Um, and you're also a survivor of necrotizing fasciitis, which is flesh-eating bacteria. And you use your story and message to inspire others to adopt the attitude of gratitude and to positively affect their lives. So you do a lot of speaking engagements and stuff on those those uh in those areas so what i want to find out from you sort of um, is what you're known for now right so what's your business like who do you serve like you know what kind of audiences do you speak to and like, like what's the primary message that you're trying to get out there well what i'm trying to get out there richard is that we all have things that we can be grateful for um, when i was in the hospital i had a choice to make I could either wallow in my pity and be a downtrodden and depressed about how my life has turned so dramatically, or I could look at all the positive things in my life and be thankful for them. And that's what I chose. I chose the attitude of gratitude. And by doing that, I have not only set myself up for future success, but I have also motivated and inspired others to do the same because when we think about it even in this pandemic you can look around and you can find things that you like and when you think about it things that you like are things that you appreciate and that you are grateful for so yeah. if you know it could be basically how your shoes feel when you put them on as, as a runner i love my running shoes and so I love the feel of my running shoes. I love taking a big drink of water after a long run. I appreciate that. I am grateful for that. And it's, you know, even down to, you know, how it feels to watch a favorite show or a favorite uh, podcast. And so yeah. it all comes down to choosing to be grateful for all the big things and little things that you have. It reminded me of uh, one of the things, you know, I mentioned earlier, we're still stuck in Florida and Florida in the summertime is famous for their mosquitoes that'll come and take you away if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided that the way that I needed to look at that over the summer was that it's my, my contribution to a green earth is that I am supplying the food for an entire neighborhood's worth of mosquitoes all by myself. There you so. go. You know, it's a circle of life. It all comes back to Disney. Disney runs everything. <laughs> They probably do at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what I want to find out then is your origin story, right? Every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today, right? And we want to hear that story. Were you born a hero or in your case, perhaps a bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into the speaking business? Um, or did you start in a job and eventually move to becoming an entrepreneur? Um, and basically want to know where you came from. And I know your story has probably got a little bit more pain in it than most people's stories. So I would love to uh, sort of hear how you got to where you are now. Well, I wasn't bitten by a radioactive bug. I was scratched by a bacteria laden wall. Uh, when, in March, 2015, I was helping my wife one morning take the kids down to the garage, we have a detached garage and walking them to the van where she could take them to school. My wife is a teach a high school teacher at the local high school and she would drop the kids off at daycare and the um, uh, kindergarten school. Uh, my, son, my, my oldest son was in kindergarten at the time and our twins went to daycare. And so I was flying my younger son, Seth, back and forth to try to get him into the van I went too far to the right and scratched my right hand on the garage wall. I didn't think of anything of it. I put him in the car seat. I wished everyone goodbye. 
And then when they left, I went back into the house, cleaned up the wound, and started my day as an online school teacher. Three days later, I wake up and I have a lacrosse ball sized bump on my right elbow. I go into the walk-in clinic here in town and the doctor there takes a look at it and says, well, it might be bursitis. Why don't you keep an eye on it and let us know if anything happens. Well, 10 hours later, that ball, that bump had transformed my arm into an, basically a giant sausage. It was triple the size of my left arm. Uh, for a comic book analogy, I was the Incredible Hulk in mid-transformation. Uh, my wife then took me to the emergency room after we secured a babysitter for the kids. And at that time, when they had started taking my blood pressure they couldn't get a reading. I had gone septic. Um, and if you're not sure what wow. sepsis is, it's basically yeah. an overreaction of, uh, of the body to an infection or to some kind of foreign element. And it basically poisons the body to try to get rid of that infection. So fast forward a little bit to the next morning, I'm still in the hospital. The attending doctor at that time comes up to my gurney and says, Mr. Gordon, this is beyond us. We can do nothing for you here. Where do you want to go? Immediately, I told them the Mayo Clinic for two reasons. First of all, it's the Mayo Clinic. When, you, when you're in yeah. the North, in the Midwest, you go to the Mayo Clinic if you can. Uh, and it's only two hours away from where I live. Secondly, my in-laws live in Rochester where the Mayo Clinic is. And my father-in-law at the time was a chaplain there. And so I knew I would have family there and I'd have, you know, someone watching over me uh, spiritually and physically. And my wife and kids would have some place to stay for, for the sure few days it would take to handle this situation. Um, spoiler alert, it wasn't a few days. Yeah. Took a little longer, uh, 65 to be in fact, that was in the hospital. And the first five of those I spent in a coma. Um, basically, uh, because they had to fillet me. And I use that term literally, they had to take the skin off my right arm, shoulder, chest and back. And, uh, and the effects here, let me show you a bit of what I'm talking about here. Um, so you can see that maybe you can see how the infection starts here at my hand and goes down and then go, goes all the way through uh, this area here. I even lost a nipple. So when I have my shirt off, it always looks like I'm winking. Um, and then all the way through the, my back. And the infection went so far into my uh, right arm that at first the doctors thought I would have to have it amputated. But the occupational therapist who was in attendance saw that I still had hand function. So what they did was they took a 15 inch by four inch flap of skin from my left thigh and placed it on my right hand. And so since it's my thigh on my hand, I call it my thand. I'm waiting for the patent to come back on that um, or the copyright rather. Uh, so they, uh, and then they started doing skin graft, uh, harvesting and placement uh, surgeries. And I'm not sure if you've ever seen a skin graft being taken. Uh, imagine a souped up cheese grater running across your skin, pulling off the, the top layer of skin. And then they put that in the tray and later on they place it somewhere on your body. And- That sounds horrifying. It, it, I felt like Frankenstein's monster. And speaking of Frankenstein's monster, uh, when they took the 15 inch by four inch flap of skin out of my left leg, they had to install knobs on either side of the, of the wound and then use a Jacob's ladder type shoelace pattern to tighten up the wound. And as a runner, I have somewhat large thighs. They had to take out a muscle they removed my vastus lateralis from my left uh, quadricep. 
So my quadricep was now a try. I turned my quad into a try and I have my fanned and I'm looking like a discount Deadpool basically. Yeah. So, yeah. My, uh, my brother's got a, uh, a try on his, his left quad from a motorcycle accident. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've actually seen what that looks like on the, when you're missing that muscle. It, it, it it's a little weird when you're wearing uh you know, like uh tights because there's a little divot there but it yeah. makes a really cool scar that only a few yeah. people see so 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 the necrotizing fasciitis is eating the muscle under your skin is that right it's eating the uh the tissue and the skin the the underlying tissue and, and some muscle i it really didn't affect any of my muscle uh so much as it did the the uh, the skin and the fascia underneath the skin. So just because I'm curious, did you have to have the house come and inspected to remove whatever the, like, so you don't have this problem happen again? You know, uh, they found out that what, what it was is it was uh, caused by strep, group A strep, and the uh, the bacteria was is called uh, Streptococcus parogenes. So hmm. it wasn't that we had to have the house fumigated. We just had to make sure the strep was out of the, you know, out of the system. And, and, uh, you know, we didn't have it sprayed. That's a very good question. Uh, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, but it's, it was really rare that it happened because usually people who contract NF are people with, uh, immunodeficiency syndromes, uh, people with diabetes, uh, people who don't run 5Ks in less than 20 minutes, which is what I was able to do the week before I got sick. Uh, in fact, my uh, plastic surgeon uh, told me when I asked him what were my limits, he said, well, Chris, you're the first marathon runner that's ever had this, so you tell us. And so that told me that I was, I was basically in a in a rare category so uh, you know fast forward to today what's your your 5k time it's actually that was one of the one of the times that i uh i i one of the, uh, the personal records the prs that i set i have uh, since my discharge i have set or tied four all-time personal records or prs and the 5k was one of them uh under 19 minutes, in fact. Um, I've also done it in a 10 You can do that with only a, only a try on, your, on one of your yeah, quads, with, huh? with only a try and a fand. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, also the 10K, the 10-mile and half marathon. I eventually would like to uh, qualify for Boston, but I am horrible at the marathon. I, it's one yeah, of, it's yeah. always been a race I've never comparatively done in done well in now some people i tell them my time and they're like i would kill for that and i say first of all don't it's not worth it secondly i understand they might have three first from. names though they'll become an assassin i know exactly but I, I would i would dishonor my parents greatly um but secondly you know when you compare you know my other race times to the marathon you would think i would run faster and that's what i'm going from i'm not speaking from uh and and you know, an an area of um, egotism. You know, I just feel that well, I do. Sh I just should do well in these races. You know, if I do well in these distances, I should do well in this one. Well, it's not the case. I have to work a little harder on it, and I'm used to hard work, so that's okay. Makes sense. So that's a a super fascinating origin story, and of course, so you you've used that story now to become a speaker, where you're teaching other people how to sort of have gratitude in the midst of, you know, incredibly difficult situations. Is that right? Yes, sir. So yes. What, what I want to talk about then is sort of how you've developed your superpowers in this space, right? So we say every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit or in your case, perhaps a fan. Um, then, you know, in, in the real world, um, heroes have what I call a zone of genius. It's a skill or it's a set of skills that either you were born with or you developed over time that energize all your other skills, right? This superpower is what sets you apart and allows you to help people to slay their villains and come out on top on their journeys. Um, so 
through all of this, what do you think your superpower is? And it's something that you were born with or that you've developed since your, uh, your, your accident, those kind of things. I believe mine, Richard, is the attitude of gratitude. And I've always tried to be a grateful person. Uh, that was instilled by my parents, uh, who also didn't want me to be an assassin. Uh, yeah, but when that's an important bit, it is, it is, it's huge. Um, but when I awoke, you know, the first few days after my coma, I started taking stock of all the things that had happened. And like I said before, I had two paths to travel. I could either go down the depressed path and, you know, be basically, be, uh, you know, act in a way that would be a slap in the face to anyone who's helped me in this endeavor because many people stepped up to help my, me and my family. Uh, people donated food. They donated toys to my kids. Uh, my, I have uh, several colleagues from my school who actually live in the area and they, they drove to my in-laws house and dropped off a ridiculous amount of toys to my kids. Um, and which is incredibly kind. Uh, I had people donating to a GoFundMe account that a friend of my wife set up and which actually helped offset some uh, lost wages because I had run out of sick days. There are so many instances of people showing me kindness that if I were to yeah. become depressed or develop a woe is me attitude, that it would be disrespectful to them. And so I chose and said to look at all the great things I had in my life. You know, obviously have my family, my friends, my faith, my job, my house, but I started looking at the small things. I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that at this time, the first season of Daredevil was released on Netflix, actually while I was in the hospital. So I could enjoy that whenever I wanted to. I, you know, I enjoyed the ridiculously good pizza they had at the hospital. You wouldn't think a hospital would have good food, but man, their pizza was spectacular. I don't know if it's because I hadn't had pizza in weeks at the time I was eating it. It was really good. Um, you know, I, I took, I took uh, appreciation of the fact that when the sun uh, had, was going through its daily travels, uh, that it wouldn't shine in my face, you know, because my bed was situated in a way where the sun was, you know, was going to glare in my, you know, in my peepers at two o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. You know, it's all those little things that we take for granted usually that I started keeping track of. And the more that I found that I liked, I, like I explained before, I was grateful for. And I, I am, I've turned that into a message to share with people that, you know, first take count of all the great things you have in your life. Because when you think about it, you, you have some pretty awesome things that keep you happy, that keep you from climbing the walls. And, you know, you have to not overlook those. And then we talk about, you know, uh, acknowledging the appreciated. You know, let people know why you appreciate them, whether it's your wife for cooking a fantastic meal or is it the person who held the door for you as you're walking, walking through it with your hand, your, your, you know, hands full of groceries by letting yeah. people know that you appreciate them. That not only makes you feel better as uh, studies have shown, but it also helps them out because they could be having a bad day too. And just that thank you can make them feel better themselves. And then yeah. there's finally, you know, the, uh, you know, giving someone else something to be grateful for, doing something else for someone that could maybe, you know, could be costing a few bucks or zero bucks. Uh, mm. A couple of weeks ago, our neighbors uh, just had twins. And as a father of twins, I know, I have a good idea of what they're going through. And so I mow their lawn. It cost me nothing, and I actually have an electric mower, so it didn't cost me any gas, but it helped them out greatly because it was one fewer thing they had to worry about. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, um, one of the things that I've always, uh, especially, you know, I would imagine it's even more true when you're looking towards 
healing from something as traumatic as necrotizing fasciitis um, is that uh, um, I, I talk about a lot in the business sense that, hey, you, you have to learn to be content where you are, but you have to know where you're going. I call it contented ambition. Mm-hmm. That you're like, it's, if, if you don't learn how to be content with what you have and what you're doing and where you're at in your business or in your life, um, then it's really difficult to go somewhere. And at the same mm-hmm. point, if you don't have a destination, if you don't know where you're going, it's also really hard to go anywhere. So you sort of have to have both, or you have to have that, that contentment and that gratitude for where you are and what you have. I mean, you have to have a destination, right? You have to be like, I'm, I'm looking forward to healing my body and getting to the end of this journey, right? And yes. learning how to do those things. So anyways, it's, a, um, it's, it's really fascinating to sort of see how those, that same mental game has to be played even when you're talking about health um, as it does when you're talking about other aspects of your life. Yes, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was listening to uh, a podcast uh, called The Brendan Show. Uh, which is hosted by Brennan Burchard. I'm not sure if you know yeah, that name. I do. Uh, in fact, uh, he talked about, uh, it, one of his podcasts was talking about being happy. And he said that mm-hmm. you can be satisfied with what you're doing and still want to improve it. You know, and at the time, he was talking at a, a seminar he was giving. And he said, I am totally satisfied with how this is going. There are so many things that could be better. So, you know, being satisfied doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Being satisfied is you're happy with what is going on now, but you still want to make it better. Absolutely, right? You have have that contented ambition. You're content with where you are and you know where you want to go, right? You know what you can improve and how you want to get better. Um, And I assume the same thing applies. You said you're a marathon runner, right? You know, you can be satisfied with your time, but no, hey, I could, I could have a couple of seconds off that next time we go around. Exactly. So, you know, the, the flip side then of your superpower, right? If your superpower is the attitude of gratitude, the, is the fatal flaw, right? So every Superman has their kryptonite, right? Or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. Um, I'm kind of curious what the uh, one fist guy, what his weakness is. Uh, so maybe you can share that in a minute, but uh, you know, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your new career as a speaker. Um, you know, something you struggled with. Maybe it's perfectionism, something I struggled with, keeps me from shipping, or lack of self-care that uh, you know lets your clients walk all over you. That's another thing that I struggled with as I built my business. Um, but more important than sort of what the flaw is is how you've been working on fixing it yourself, um, so you can overcome it. And people who might be listening to us who've suffered from the same thing might learn a little bit from your experience there. Definitely. Well, I have to tell you that one thing. Wait, hold on. What? 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 what, what? <laughs> Shiny objects are my kryptonite. I have goals. I have ambitions. I have dreams. But once in a while, you get those shiny objects that catch your eye, and you want to check them out. You you think that this will help you get to another level, but then there's another shiny object, and another one, and another one. Ugh, those drive me batty. And so what I've been really working on is trying to focus on five vital functions, five right there, um, that I need to do to move my progress forward. And if if something doesn't fit into one of those five categories, it's out of there. And so yeah. that, that would have to be it is that I want, you know, there's, there are a few things I want to do well, but there's so many other things that, you know, that look good or that sound good, but if they're not working in those five categories, I need to be better at saying no. Um, you know, many, many thought leaders have said that uh, the most successful people are the ones that say no most often. Yeah, absolutely. Because right. They, yeah. You know, because when you say yes, you're saying no to something else. And if you say yes too much, you're going to, you're going to find yourself not making any progress. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who uh, worked with fortune 500 companies um, and their CEOs. And she said one of the things that it was very, very common amongst the multimillionaire CEOs of big companies was they knew what their one thing was and they said no to everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a, it's a classic like success thing. 
Um, and I know for me, like when I, early in my entrepreneur career, the first four or five years, one of the things that I struggled with a lot was that shiny object syndrome. And it wasn't until, um, so like I, I had defined this idea early in my career, um, but it wasn't until I started running everything that I had that came in front of me by this idea that I started to actually like overcome it. And for me, it was that I wanted, I wanted everything that I did in my business to support my ability to spend lunch time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. That was like my big goal. I'm not going to, I'm not sure what's going to happen once they all grow old and move out of my house. But for the time being, it's like, I want to be the kind of dad who could have lunch with my kids every time. And I remember thinking that to myself when I was, when I just had my first son who, um, who's uh, going to be 11 here in a couple of months. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a few years to like actually start doing that, but it's the same kind of thing, right? You said you had five, five things. Mine was like this one rule is like, does this help me have more lunch with my kids or does it not help me have more lunch with my kids? Mm. Um, and that's like the, uh, the question I ask myself for every shiny object that comes my way. Um, and it allows me to say no a lot more often than, than I used to. Right. Um, yes. And cause I used to say yes to all sorts of things. Um, and now I say no a lot more often. And as a result, I am uh, wealthier and my business is growing more. Um, and it's a uh, much, it, I enjoy my life more. So anyways, it's an important skill to learn how to say no. Yes. Yes, it is. Ironically, you say no to it. Or, yeah, I know, yes it's weird, no. right? It's, it's, you say yes to saying no. Yes. Um, so, so my next question for you then is about your common enemy, right? And in your case, um, I want to put this in context of the audiences that you speak to, but every superhero has an arch nemesis, right? It's the thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world. Right. So in the world of business, it takes on many forms, but generally speaking, um, it's in the context of your clients. So for you, the, the, the people that you speak to in um, when you get up on stages or I guess now in the midst of the coronavirus, when you get on Zoom calls for, with mm-hmm. groups of people, right? Um, it's the mindset or a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome so that the people who hear you can get better results, you know, or cheaper results or faster results or a higher degree of results. What's that one mindset that you're always seeing, seeming to run into or see people struggle with, with the things that you teach? I, I think it's the, the, um, the naysayer and that, you know, you can say, well, I like, you know, be thankful for all that you have, but you know, and I really haven't run, a, run across this yet, but I just imagine someone like saying, well, everything around my life sucks, you know, and you can bring up, what would you like to eat? I don't like anything. You know, it's that person that's choosing that's people like that. not to do that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, at, you know, and, and so, at some point, you have to understand that I can either, tr- you know, spend all my energies on this one person who is choosing to, to, do, to do that, or I can... Uh, you know, take a line from Star Trek and say the ways of the, 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 the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, especially mm-hmm. when this person is choosing that. Uh, however, I could also say, well, you must like being negative. So there's something you can be thankful for being negative. And so, you know, there's always a and way. Maybe to, they'll turn it around on them. <laughs> yes. You know, so you could always uh, find a, a way to defeat a villain. But thankfully, I haven't run across that yet. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that there's always, uh, like I just showed, there's always a way to uh, work, or work around or through a problem. Well, so then, then the, uh, I think probably a more interesting question to answer would be the flip side of your common enemy, which is your driving force, right? If your common enemy is something you fight against, your driving force is something that you fight for. So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google, to index and categorize all the world's information what is it that you're fighting for in your new speaking career well to uh to speak i guess broadly is to make a better world but to be more specific i would say to have people develop a more positive outlook because when you have a positive outlook you have a positive life and so by uh, by seeing things more positively, that gives you the options to explore other avenues. You know, because if you if you're saying that oh everything is bad, everything is bad, you're going to have that negative mindset. Oh, nothing will be good for me. 
but say if for example you're trying to lose weight and you say wow you know uh i have these running i have these walking shoes that are very comfortable you know why don't you use them go walk for you know go go walk in them and you know and appreciate how far you can walk and then maybe extend that a little further extend that a little further um when i when i started running after my hospitalization i ran one mile and it was the worst mile of my life um and i needed to get that one under my belt now uh, because the worst is always the the first is always the worst but after i did that i realized well i'm gonna have to just break this up and so i started running one mile running one block walking one block and at that time my running was a little more like glorified walking but i had to start somewhere so i would yeah. walk run walk run a block each and then i started running two blocks and then walking one and then three and then four and then five and so it had i come out of that first mile and said well i'll never doing that again that was horrible I wouldn't have been able to, to accomplish all that I have, but by looking at it and saying, wow, I just did a mile after not running for three months. It was, it was horrible, but I know and that there your are better miles up. behind me. There are better miles ahead of me now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of my, uh, um, I started, I started doing, uh, it was a couple of years ago now, but I started doing, um, what do they call it? Uh, calisthenics, like body weight training. Yep. Um, and started with uh, push-ups, like push-up training. And, you know, they had all these things like, hey, you could do push-ups and sit-ups and squats and all these other things. And I was like, you know, I just want to get back in shape. So I just started with push-ups. And I remember it was like, you know, they were like, do 50 push-ups. I was like, this is dumb. I'm not going to be able to do 50 push-ups. So I, I said, I was like, at the first day, I was like, I could do five. And, you know, the next day I did, I did six. <laughs> and the next day I was like, yeah, I could do 10. And it was amazing to me by the time I got to like three months in, I could do a hundred pushups a day, no problem, like in a row. Um, and, you know, and you get to the point where you're like, I'm doing 25, you know, narrow pushups and 25 wide pushups and 25 Spider-Man pushups and 25 something else. And it was like, it just, your body responds so quickly to those kind of things when you, uh, mm -hmm. when you, when you break it up and give it some time to, to grow, you know, but if you start off like, Hey, I'm going to do a hundred pushups today. Um, from, from nothing. It's very, very difficult to, <laughs> to achieve that. Yeah, you know, I, I always think of uh, what about Bob, baby steps. So, yeah. you know, just gotta just take it easy and you know, get and give yourself time to grow. But it's, it's like you know, you know, what I was going back to, uh, you know, that positive mindset can set you up to accomplish so many things. Uh, yesterday, in fact, I, uh, I received word that I achieved my recommended black belt in Taekwondo. And I had started, awesome. uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, I had, well, I had started after my hospitalization, my sons joined, um, in the fall uh, fall of 2015. And I, and I told him, I told my wife, well, if he sticks with it for a year, I'm going to ask him if I can join because I had been in Taekwondo when I was younger, but like a stupid kid, I quit. And, but it's always been my, my secret desire to always earn a black belt. And um, over the years, I've become more increasingly goal-driven. And so I, when it came around, that year came around, and he was still in it, I asked him if I could join it. He said yes. And so the, uh, our master um, graciously allowed me to join in with him because of my prior experience. And so we've been doing it for a number of years now. And he still has to uh, do one kick to get his, but I just received word that I, re I received my recommended black belt. And it's because I had that positive outlook that, you know what, it doesn't matter that I'm in my 40s. It doesn't matter that I almost died and I have fewer muscles than I did when I, you know, you know, I did a few years ago. It doesn't matter that I look like a discount Deadpool. You know, I, I have all this, all, all these other things going for me and I'm going to use them as well as I can. And I, and I thankfully have achieved a lot. Yeah. That's really cool. So just out of curiosity, how old is your son now? He's 11. He's uh, a little okay, so older same than yours. My yeah. Son. yeah. Yeah. That's cool. 
Um, how's he doing with the uh, Taekwondo? It's one of the things I've been, we've been talking a little bit about maybe doing uh, some sort of uh, Taekwondo or martial arts of some sort, something he's he, really enjoyed. Yeah, he, he really likes it. Um, he, uh, we're, you know, it's been really weird during the pandemic. We haven't been able to go to a lot of classes, but they've started classes up again. And so we're going to get back on that horse uh, so he can get his kick done. It's a slow motion front kick that I had to work on. Uh, when you're 46 years old and you're a runner, your hip flexors aren't very flexy. So yeah. I, I spent a lot of this pandemic uh, working on my flexibility uh, and you know doing lots of different stretches. And thankfully, it came through for me. Uh, so yeah, yeah. we'll get back into it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to accomplish that goal pretty soon here. Yeah, my uh, my son and I are talking about potentially. So we've talked a little bit of martial arts and the other thing we're talking about is uh, potentially learning uh, some sailing stuff. So oh, we're talking about getting a little uh, like 11 foot, like they call it a skiff, I believe. It's a little, almost like a flat boat with a, you can pop the sail into it. We can put it yep. on top of our car and take it with us while we travel. Um, cool. And we could learn to sail on that. And we think that'd be a fun athletic hobby to get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sailing's a lot of fun. I haven't done a lot of it, but when I have, it's always been challenging, but always a good time. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, you know, we're we're in the process of trying to decide what kind of things can we do while we travel. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the, um, some practical things, right? So, uh, I call this section the hero's tool belt, um, and just like every superhero has a tool belt with awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes or a big magical hammer or you know one punch fit or one punch fists, um, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, something that, you know, for, for you, uh, something that's a practical tool our audience might be able to use for working on or getting that attitude of gratitude to help grow their organization or their business, some, some things that they can practice or do on a daily basis that would help them, you know, achieve that attitude. Well, you can take the word or take the phrase, the attitude of gratitude and shorten it to the game, to, to the word tag. And we've all played tag before. And you can exercise the attitude of gratitude by playing tag. Uh, you can pretend that you are it. And you first think about all, you know, some good things in your life. Uh, I, you know, we could go with the big, the, the big ones, but you could also go with the small ones. Like, I, uh, I like how well these gloves fit on my hands. I really appreciate that picture of the Ninja Turtles with Deadpool. You know, you can look at those small things that you can seemingly overlook, but take appreciation of them. And then the A is you acknowledge the appreciated. You let someone know that you appreciate them and why you appreciate them. And you can start building that gratitude within them as well. And then there's the G, you give someone else a reason to be grateful. Like for, I, I mentioned before, I mowed my neighbor's lawn when they were busy with their babies. Uh, my other neighbor was gone for a couple of weeks, so I mowed his lawn so it didn't look like the house was vacant. Whenever I go for a run, I usually try to pick up uh, as much trash as I can on my way. You know, I talk with the people at the store, at the restaurant, uh, when you can go to a restaurant safely. And I let them know how much I appreciate their hard work. And when I give, when I have a chance to tell them, I say, hey, you know what, you're it now. I want you to think of some things that are good in your life, and, you know, let people know how you appreciate them and give someone else a chance to be grateful. And so by playing tag in that manner, you can spread the attitude of gratitude out more and more and hopefully it'll catch on as well as COVID-19, honestly. With, with many, hopefully, uh, fewer painful, uh, you know, side effects. Experiences. Yeah, so, so let me just recap that real quick. So the T is, is basically like take, uh, you know, take, what do you call it, like inventory of something that's, that you appreciate. Um, mm -hmm. And so then the A is acknowledge someone, um, someone else. Yep. Um, and then someone else is, is give, give someone uh, a reason to be grateful, right? Yes. That's the last one, is that right? Yes. That's a cool little, uh, a cool little mnemonic for helping people. And this is something that uh, you practice every day and you recommend other people do the same kind of thing. Yes. And that, that's basically, and it's uh, basically what my talk is about is, uh, is using that. So 
just for, for people who might be, uh, what, what would the word be, skeptical of what the attitude of gratitude might do for them, what kind of, what kind of like actual life results happen as a result of, of learning to have that kind of gratitude and learning how to, uh, to do these kind of things and practice them on a daily basis? Well, personally, I look at myself and I, I have to be honest. Um, you know, I have achieved some pretty cool things in the last five years. I don't try to focus too much on it because I don't want to become egotistical. But at the same time, you know, I, I have surpassed the, uh, the, the, the prognoses that I was given. I mean, I was told in the hospital that I would basically be able to feed myself with my arm and that's it. And now I can do at least 25, you know, when I'm feeling good, 25 pull-ups on, you know, go all the way to as far as I can, because this arm doesn't stretch as well as this one because uh, skin grafts are tight. But I, you know, I, I use myself as an example. Uh, you know, when I, if I, when I, when I were, when I was in the hospital, if I had become morose and negative, I wouldn't have thought of what was possible because a negative person does not think of the positive possible. So, yeah. you know, right there, I am an example. And you could also point to numerous studies that, uh, that show gratitude has positive effects on not only, uh, the body physically, but the mind, uh, psychologically, uh, has been like, for example, there's a 2006 study that showed, that gratitude reversed or at least delayed the effects of PTSD in Vietnam veterans. And, and so you can, uh, like you said, go on the Google and just type in uh, benefits of gratitude and you'll find numerous studies, um, uh, you know, talking about the benefits of practicing that positive outlook and being grateful for what you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I can speak to the same thing for those those uh, once you you sort of learn how to be grateful for what you have, um, and uh, it it, it so, yeah. Sorry, my uh, we're we're in the middle of a, a lightning storm that just started, and we just lost power for a couple of seconds. So it oh, all wow. came down and came back up. I connected to my uh, my cell phone for a second. Hopefully, this will uh, it'll continue working. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, Florida has this whole this whole thing with the storms. But yeah, my. Um, one of the things I've been really uh, just, I've been impressed with how well I've been able to grow my business by learning how to have that same attitude of, you know, gratitude, essentially. The Hero Show will be right back. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now we're back to the hero show. So it's a, it's a, it's a potent skill. So my next question for you though, is uh, about your own personal heroes, right? So every hero has their mentors, right? Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, Spider-Man had his uh, uncle Ben. Um, so I want to know who are some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors, speakers or authors, maybe peers who are just a couple years ahead of you? Um, and how important were they to what you have accomplished so far in getting your speaking career going? 
you know, I always, I credit my parents, especially my dad with, uh, with helping me develop the person that I have become. Uh, he was always very uh, kind to people and hardworking and showed me uh, overtly and covertly how I should treat others and treat myself. Um, for, for speaking, I, uh, I, I looked to the teachings of Brendan Burchard, who I, whom I, retro, I referenced earlier, and also Darren Hardy. Uh, he's the author of The Compound Effect. And, uh, you know, I take uh, yeah, their I teachings and try to use them uh, to guide my actions, not only professionally, you know, as a speaker, but also as a teacher, but, and also as a husband and a father, you know, to make sure I'm, uh, I'm hitting on all cylinders there. Um, and, you know, I just, there aren't other people specifically that I look towards as heroes, but, you know, you always try to look for uh, resonant actions over a, over a broad spectrum. And so I just look for, you know, the actions that people try to take um, that have proven well uh, for them as a, as a group and try to adopt those. Like, uh, for example, when I'm finished with a speaking engagement, you know, writing a thank you note to uh, someone. And I, you know, I would always say thank you and drop a new email, but like writing our handwritten thank you note to the, uh, to the event uh, provider or the, the, event, the event coordinator. And, you know, so uh, those are some of my heroes. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that idea of writing thank you notes. I'm in the process of uh, learning how to do some black letter calligraphy so I can add some more handwriting, like mm. thank you stuff to uh, the work that I do, which I think will be a, a benefit um, for a couple of reasons. One, because I think it's a fun little piece of, you know, skilled art to learn but also because there's there's a lot to be said for showing the people that do business with you how grateful you are that they chose to work with you yeah um, or chose to have you speak or chose to you know come on your podcast those kind of things so um i want to talk about one more thing before we uh, we end this interview and that's your guiding principles right so one of the things that makes heroes heroic um, is that they live by a code for instance batman never kills his enemies he always brings them to arkham asylum so as we wrap up the interview, I'm going to talk about the top one or two principles that you use in your life regularly um, that, uh, that really help you grow your business and help you, you know, get onto more stages or get into more virtual Zoom, you know, <laughs> Zoom speaking engagements in the middle of our pandemic. Um, what, are, what are some of those principles for you? Well, I think uh, first is the attitude of gratitude, uh, you know, that, that just guides my actions, not only as a speaker, but as a person. Uh, so practicing that every day, but also uh, it's the phrase that I use to end all my podcasts, which is pass on perfection and go for greatness. You know, our society is so uh, obsessed with getting things just right, with getting, with being perfect all the time. But when you look at the greats, when you look at Michael Jordan, he, he took and missed over 9,000 shots in his career. Yet he is hailed as the greatest basketball player of all time by many people who are correct. Uh, sorry, LeBron. Um, you look at, you know, so many other people who they weren't perfect, but they were great. And having and taking the monkey of perfection off your back, you are free to get to do your best. And if you are perfect, like if you are a bowler and you throw a 300 game once, once in a while, awesome. But being able to throw a, you know, 295 or 297, that's still great. You know, you're still better than 99% of the bowlers out there. And so by pursuing greatness by trying to be as good as you can be without worrying about being perfect you might reach that perfection once in a while but by being consistent in your attempts you will attain greatness and that will ultimately give you more happiness than if you try to be perfect all the time yeah yeah i i struggled with the uh the whole 
perfectionism thing for a long time in my own life. Um, and it was uh, something a, a good friend of mine said to me once was that uh, perfectionism is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to because it's unattainable, right? It's not a, it's not a real thing. Um, so if, if perfectionism is the lowest standard you're, you can hold yourself to in, um, and you want to hold yourself to high standards, you need to pick a new standard, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have something different that you're holding yourself to. And, you know, so for me, it was learning how to, you know, in my case, you know, for, for my business is learning how to, to ship a product that got the result that I wanted, right? Um, and, you know, not every little pixel had to be right on the sales page. Not every word in your book has to be perfect, right? Like it's, you know, you, you have to get it to the point where it's good enough to do the job, right? Yes. It's good enough to do the job and then you can iterate and become better. And if you can consistently get good at, at in, you know, in my case, in shipping good product, then, you know, it helps you grow your business a lot. So I love that. The uh, pass, pass on perfection and, uh, and, and shoot for greatness. Is that right? Yeah. And go for greatness. I'm a huge fan go of alliteration. Greatness. So I, I just like that. Go. Yeah. I like that alliteration of pass on perfection and go for greatness. I love it. So pass on perfection, go for greatness. So that is basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview off with, with a simple challenge that I call the hero's challenge. And I do this. It's a selfish thing personally to get access to new stories that I might not um, find on my own. So my question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story here on our show? I think my friend Ben comes to mind. I've met him within the uh, podcast world on uh, pod on, I believe uh, you and I are the, on the same podcast Facebook group, correct? That, that's how um, probably my uh, my my assistant uh, who runs this podcast does all that for me. So probably, okay. okay. <laughs> well, uh, I met Ben through uh, through but that podcast group, and uh, or at least I, I I've met him and then I got him into it. But we've been connecting ever since on there, and he has a great story, and I think he would uh, really serve your uh, audience well. His name is Ben Eden. Awesome. And, uh, well, we'll see if we can uh, reach out afterwards and get us, uh, see if we can get Ben to come on the show and show his story. Um, and like I said, that's a wrap on our interview. But in comic books, there's always the crowd who set, you know, who, uh, who's there to uh, cheer on the acts of heroism and clap for the, uh, the audience. So as we close, what I want to know is where can people find you, right? If they want to hire you to speak to their, you know, to their group, um, or if they want to see some of the things that you teach, or I know you said you were working on a program, where can they find you? You know, where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Chris, I need your help. Um, and more importantly than that, who are the right types of people to reach out, right? Like, what kind of audiences do you like to speak to? Is it schools? Is it businesses? Who are the, who are the right types of people to say, you know what, I'd love to have Chris come and teach a little bit about the attitude of gratitude to, to our audience. Thanks for asking, Richard. I, right now, I'm focusing on speaking to students. Uh, being a teacher, I find that I have uh, a natural ability to connect with kids. And so I am reaching out to uh, students K-12 and also colleges. Um, but I've also been told that uh, corporations and you know, the corporate world might also appreciate my story. So I might start reaching out in that, uh, in that realm as well. But people can find me at chrisdtgordon.com. And that's where they can find out about my speaking and coaching opportunities. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram at Chris D.T. Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. I try to keep it as simple as I can. And there's also my, awesome. uh, there's also my, uh, my uh, podcast called Scar Bearers. Uh, not, not Bears with Scars, though that is visually awesome. Uh, it's called Scar Bearers, and where I talk about my experience with NF, and I interview people to talk about their physical and sometimes emotional scars and how they've recovered from them. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all the, a lot of the podcast places. And you recognize it because I use the Star Wars font. <laughs> nice. So. Awesome. So Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Chris. Really appreciate it. And if you're in our audience and you're looking, you have, an, uh, have a group of students who might 
benefit from hearing Chris speak, make sure you reach out to him. It's chrisdtgordon.com. We'll make sure the links are in the show notes. Um, and Chris, before we hit that stop record button, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? You know, I wish I could think of something brand new to say, but I would just say, pass on perfection and go for greatness. <laughs> I love it. And I love the uh, I love the superhero outfit too. We'll uh, we'll see if we can uh, find the link to that show and put it in the show notes as well for people who yeah, might be interested you. in uh, the uh, what do you call it? The he's the one punch uh, one punch man superhero. One Punch yeah. Man, there we go. One Punch Man. So yes. One Punch Man. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Chris, for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Richard. I really enjoyed it.